Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme, we've got Sadie and John Paul taking your calls at 1850-333-103. And in a couple of minutes, we're going to be remembering Paddy Sheehan, who sadly passed away. He was a stalwart, is a word that a lot of people are using, of Fine Gael in West Cork. And he passed away yesterday, died after a very uh, short illness and real blow for the family because he passed away less than a week after the death of his beloved wife Frances and you know the way they say behind every great man is a great woman and Paddy would have been the first to say what a role his wife Frances played in his career and in his life uh, particularly you know in the operation of his constituency the, uh, the work that needed to be done in the background in his constituency office and Paddy Sheen was of a, I suppose a different generation as well of uh, TDs I remember reading an interview about that he gave when he retired and you know he was just talking about how different politics is and that when he would have first got into Dáil Éireann back in the early 80s was when he was first elected. You know, very different to what it is today. Like they shared offices, they didn't have secretaries, they didn't have advisors. There was a lot more work to be done in those days than what it is today or even when he would have retired back in 2011. So it was in great sadness that we heard the news yesterday. The man who always described himself as furthest from the Dáil but nearest to the White House. I mean, he was it was a 250 mile journey to get from his house in Skull on the Mizzen Peninsula to get him to the Dáil. It was it's 400 kilometres. It was just a massive, massive uh, drive on roads that have improved, thankfully, than when he first would have started driving it back in, in the early 80s. And of course, it's, it's the fact that he'd been in politics for so long. I mean, he was in politics for over 50 years because he would have first got interested in politics in the 1960s and he was elected to Cork County Council I think it was in 1967 then he had a couple of attempts at getting into the Dáil but then he finally got elected in 1981 and he stayed in power, power. there was only one 
the, or he stayed in that role. There was just only one time where he lost his seat, which was, would have been when the Fine Gael party slumped at the polls all over the country in 2002 and he would have lost his seat then. Many would have said, you know, he was in his 70s. Surely he'll just, you know, step down from politics now. But no, he was, wasn't a man to give up and he won back the seat very comfortably in 2007 and then did out his final time in Dáil and uh, finally opting to retire in 2011. So he'll be remembered with uh, great fondness and we'll have uh, some people remembering him on the programme today. Now I have to say we had a whole host of people within the Fine Gael party wanting to join us but obviously we couldn't have everybody on but we do appreciate people who took time out to contact uh, contact us uh, to say that they were uh, available. And I was waiting for this text to come in from Michael O'Sullivan in Castletown Bay who often quotes something that Paddy Sheehan said to me in the studios in Bandon back in the early days of this programme. So Michael is remembering Paddy today and says, Patricia, hi. Uh, West Cork today mourns the death of the late Paddy Sheehan. Uh, Paddy was a man of the people who worked tirelessly for him, for them, that nobody can ever take away from him. There were many great moments with Paddy and the also the late Charlie Hawhey in Dáil Spats. The one of a lot of people would remember was when Paddy was fighting for the Long Island people. Charlie turned to him and said, I don't know, Deputy Sheen, what's all the noise about Long Island? They all voted for me. And back in your early days in Bandon, remember when he told you that he at the time we were it was a discussion about rural issues. I think it might have been the lead into a general election. Anyway, he was talking about West Cork and what needed to be done for West Cork and for rural area. And he ended up saying that if something wasn't done, if something wasn't done soon, that West Cork would all that West Cork would end up with would be bachelors, bullocks and briars. And I can still see the day that he said it uh, to me. I, I mean, it was just the way he said it. Bachelors, bullocks and briars. That's all that'll be left in West Cork if they don't do something for the area. He had such a passion and a love for West Cork. And in, in for the Mizzen Peninsula in particular it was almost like it was in his DNA and he would fight tooth and nail and he didn't care who he would stand up against but he was fighting for his people and for the betterment of his uh, people Anyway Michael said only last Tuesday his wife Frances was laid uh, to rest today they're back together Yeah, that that did strike me when I heard the news yesterday Uh, May they both rest in peace Amen and that's from Michael and Castletown Bear Thank you for that Michael and the, uh, the other one that always stands out for me and I went on YouTube to see if I could get a grab of it and and unfortunately I can't. It was the day that Charlie Hawhey was stepping down as uh, Taoiseach and, you know, he was making his speech stepping down as uh, Taoiseach and Paddy Sheen stood up and asked him uh, in, as he, in his, for his last act in office would, at the time he wanted him to extend the powers of Castletown Bear Harbour Master over the waters to Bearhaven Sound and Charlie Haw he responded <laughs> stood up and stared across the doll at Paddy Sheen and said the battle is over Deputy let us return our swords to our scabbards now that's the one that will always stand out for me uh, one of the many many spats between uh, the two of them so yeah and his likes I suppose will never be seen again that sort of generation of politician I think is is gone and that's not taken away from the current generation of politi- politicians but somebody that had that love and that passion and that belief that what they were doing was going to make a difference and that, you know and that's what they that's what all politicians they go in believing that they uh, can make a difference but Paddy really really believed that he could make a difference for people that he felt at a time had no voice 
that's what I think he felt he was speaking on behalf of those little rural farmers and, and fishermen who was going to listen to them. Well, if nobody was going to listen to them, Paddy was and Paddy was going to speak on their behalf. That's the late great Paddy Sheehan. May he rest in peace. And as I say, uh, we will remember. Sorry, Paddy lived in Goline, not Skull. My apologies. Did I say Skull? I meant to say uh, Goline. Um, we will be remembering on the programme uh, today. Now, 1850-333-103, John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. Back to COVID-19 for a moment. Around 15,000 meat processing factory workers uh, will be asked to take weekly COVID-19 tests under plans being considered by the government to stop the spread of the virus in the industry. And this was something that I mentioned yesterday that I feel is a no-brainer. If we want to stop these clusters that are happening in meat factories, then get in there and start testing the people so that because there's so many people have it and they don't have any symptoms so that at least you will know what is going on. Meat factory workers in the three counties which are currently under the local lockdown, they're going to be the first to undergo the new testing regime and then it is going to be rolled out uh, nationwide. Serial testing of healthcare workers in nursing homes has also now been recommended in Kildare, in Offaly and in Leash. There's also talks that will be extended across the country in the coming weeks. And the new testing plant follows the Offaly-based Carol's Cuisine Meat Factory. They were forced to close after they sparked public outrage after they admitted that they were going to continue to operate, particularly while the rest of the county uh, was in lockdown. It seemed to be a slap in the face for everybody else that we could have a meat factory deciding in Offaly to stay open while everybody else in Offaly was in lockdown. Now, under the new plans being discussed by the ministers, all meat factory workers will be tested every week for four weeks to ensure that they're not spreading the virus in work while they're at work and they don't have any symptoms and the testing regime will focus on the bigger processing plants and they're the ones that have more than 50 workers and ones with fewer will have risk assessment done and the model that's been drafted by the Agriculture Minister Dara Killeary and the Health Minister Stephen Donnelly. It's based on the testing regime that was introduced in nursing homes at the height of the pandemic. Now at this stage it remains unclear who's going to pay for the large scale uh, testing of the factory uh, workers with government sources saying that the focus was on the logistics of introducing weekly tests across the country and I suppose they can argue afterwards uh, who's actually going to pay for them or or not but I mentioned that yesterday that it worked so well in nursing homes once we got the clusters under control the obvious thing then was to do was to make sure you wouldn't get other clusters so the best way to do that was to get in there and start testing and that's what they did for four weeks all of the staff in nursing homes were tested and if anyone tested positive then they moved to all of the patients and it did actually pick up some cases of staff who were tested positive obviously they were then sent home to self-isolate for the two weeks but it stopped the spread because I think the danger is when you have people walking around who don't have any symptoms because in you know in their defence they don't know that they've COVID-19 and they don't know that they're passing it on and there's a lot of concern as well about the outbreak of COVID-19 in a creche in County Meath and I know some of the parents are coming out now and they're very critical at the slow pace of testing. It's two workers have tested positive in this creche in, and it's a community run crash in County Meath and now it's been confirmed that three children also have confirmed positive for COVID-19. The children were confirmed to test positive on Sunday night and further tests are still underway to see has it spread even further. 
two members tested positive but the sting of the tale here is the two me- members tested positive last week now both of the rooms where they were working with had been closed down even though they were both working in separate rooms a third room then they decided to close because a floating worker had gone into that third room they tested everybody there but nobody tested positive in in their third room uh, thankfully but some preschool children in another part of the creche are still waiting results and one of the parents is saying that by the time the results come in and it's a child who has an underlying health condition so you can imagine the parents are worried but they're saying by the time the test results come in it'll be seven days will have passed into that 14 days and they're just saying this is you know now luckily the family are doing everything right and have decided to self-isolate but they're just making the point that it's just it's too long it should be somebody gets identified the test is done within 24 hours and then the result should be back within 24 hours and 11 children have tested so far uh, uh, were tested and uh, and of the 11 only 3 tested positive and coincidentally all 3 were, were siblings they all came out of the one uh, household and the I was listening to an interview with the manager of the creche who they're devastated because they had spent over 10,000 euro they invested in PPE gear and measure, measures to make sure that the facility would would be as safe as possible. They did everything that they were asked to do to tr- try to stop the virus coming into the building. And they say the real worry for them is that the children who have contracted the virus, not one of the children had uh, symptoms. So it was only that one staff member came down with symptoms, tested positive, and then they decided to test the other children in that pod. And then they discovered that three of the children had it as well. So it's a real, real worry but a bigger worry, the fact that some of the children are still waiting for uh, tests. On the N71 between Lep and Skibbereen uh, in the last 10-15 minutes, it's approximately one kilometre outside of Lep and the emergency services are en route. So I would avoid that area for the moment. That's between Lep and uh, Skibbereen. Now it was, as I mentioned earlier, with great sadness at the close of the programme yesterday that we heard of the passing of the former West Cork Dáil Deputy Paddy Sheehan. Paddy dedicated more than 50 years of his life to politics and he was a prominent campaigner for rural issues. Joining me to remember uh, this great stalwart of the Fine Gael party, a party colleague, and that was former Fine Gael Dáil Deputy uh, Jim O'Keefe. Good morning to you, Jim. Morning, Patricia. And it's great to hear you and have you on the programme. Um, How did you hear the news yesterday of Paddy's passing? Uh, I got a message from Jim Daly, uh, who was uh, the, a, f- a former TD here with Cork. I was, and then many other calls after that. Uh, uh, of course, very tough on the Sheehan family with my first reaction. So uh, soon after burying the mother, uh, Francis, last week. So uh, real sympathy here to, to Diamond and Deirdre and Lucary and Maeve and the, and, and, and the grandchildren. Just, um, a, a real shock having... Uh, as I say, been out west last week to very Francis to see Paddy following so soon. Yeah, it's a, it really is a, a, a double, double set tragedy um, for them. But in some ways then, they'll hopefully in the days and the months ahead will take comfort from the fact that they're both together, Paddy and Francis, because they were, they were a very devoted couple as well. Oh, inseparable. Yeah. Uh, Travelled the country. and <laughs> uh, not just the constituency, but uh, up and down to Dublin week after week together. Um, uh, they were really uh, yeah. an example of, of, of marital harmony. Behind every good man is a good woman. 
And he <laughs> some, now, sometimes it was said that she was the one in front. <laughs> <laughs> He'd have argued with you on that one, but he just he just secretly agreed with you as well. Now, <laughs> na- nationally, Paddy will be remembered for, in particular, I think his clashes with the Taoiseach, uh Charles Hawhey. They had quite a few spats, didn't they, over the years? Yes, he was been a better sort of a very uh, friendly relationship and and and. and uh, Across the floor, and and and, and I think uh, Charlie used to be quite amused and bashing back the points being raised by, um, uh, by Paddy. And uh, I can remember him making some impassioned points on week on behalf of his people out in, um, I think, with Cape Clear, and um, and uh, <laughs> the following week he raised the issue again, and then. Uh, Charlie Howe, he was prepared from this time, and he said, oh, by the way, you were referring to your people and out in Cape Clear. Uh, I had my people locally checking the tallies for the last election, and I saw that Jim O'Keefe got more votes out there than you did. Yeah, they, 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 and neither of them backed down, that's uh, for, no, that's for sure. All, that's and what, what was your relationship um with Paddy, uh, Jim. I mean, you were both Fine Gael TDs and you both got elected. Like, for a huge period of time, that constituency returned the two Fine Gael seats. What was your relationship with him? Well, it was um, obviously a certain uh, competitive age between us, but it, it was very hard to, to... You couldn't follow with Paddy because he had this hail fellow well met personality and big smile that, you know, that endeared him to all the people and uh, I could see very well that he was full of energy and walking without stop with the people of West Cork. Uh, my memories of him were, in many instances, were that he was the master of the colourful phrase, he always, always emphasising the remoteness of the Western area he lived in and uh, next to the mizzen, uh, kind of uh, next parish America was the usual phrase. Yeah. With, with more seagulls than voters out there, uh, that was pretty relevant when the election teams were dividing the constituency for canvassing purposes. <laughs> that was one of his main arguments. And uh, yeah, I, I also uh, do recollect uh, again his colourful phrase when he was support of the Western Peninsulas, which he was claim at the time were largely populated by Briar's Bullock Bullocks and Bachelors. Bachelors. <laughs> yeah, he was but great. He was also very quick to turn the point around, I can remember, um, to, to suit his own purpose. I remember, I can recall, a, a public election meeting at, at the time when they were kind of uh, normal. And, and I was introduced to speak as Minister of State for Foreign Affairs, which I was at the time, uh, out in Europe and further afield every week on behalf of the country. But when Paddy was gone to speak, he very quickly made the point that while Jim O'Keefe was looking after foreign affairs abroad on behalf of the country, he was looking after home affairs week after week on behalf of people in West Cork. <laughs> so he, he turned it around very much to suit the, the, our audience. So, and all, all, always with an election in mind in case he needed a vote. That would well, always... That was an election. Yeah. Oh, election was it? Oh, was it? Was it? Okay, so, oh, was it? So, okay. But we had a very good working uh, arrangement. Uh, obviously, the competitive edge became a bit more more uh, uh, tense uh, uh, and rose a bit during election time. I thought more between our election teams. Although I do, I do recollect him uh, uh, complaining a bit... Um, but that he'd need to get a special visa to travel at that time through the um, eastern part of the um, 
constituency, which would have been allocated to me, you see. And um, I think my reaction was that he was very, uh, very welcome to a transit visa, but not to a canvas visa. <laughs> <laughs> but but, but well, that kind of level, there was never a cross board between us. And, but the fact uh, that you both got elected, you know, except for the for, for the one year when things went against um, uh, Fine Gael, there, there was that great team effort between both of you. Well, uh, the, the organisation were fantastic in, 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 in trying to uh, balance things up and, and make sure that uh, there was a uh, both of us got through and 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 uh, we, we were very fortunate in having such an effective organization at the time uh, and and uh, generally uh, as you say it worked out there was just one term when, when we just hadn't uh, enough votes to to, to to get through the two of us uh, but you know when when sort of uh, voting became a bit unbalanced, the election teams were sort of doing their bit to try and make sure that those are just that both of us were mm-hmm. uh, and does uh, it, getting enough to go over does, the does it sadden you that now it's a constituency that doesn't have any Fine Gael TD? It does, absolutely. Now, I've been out of politics and I've actually been out of uh, any kind of politics because I've been on the Standards Commission there for, uh, for uh, quite a while back and uh, I... Uh, as such, I haven't been involved in active politics at all, but I really find it uh, a, not just a huge turnabout to see uh, a constituency represented by the two of us for so long on behalf of the party without a Fine Gael representative. And I suppose I have to say, I hope that we see that situation remedied at the next election. <laughs> the party will return. And of course, you both, both you and Paddy, retired at the same time, the 2011 general That's election. Right. Was, was, yes. was that a big blow for the party? I know. I think um, uh, we certainly signalled it well in advance uh, and, and so the, the, they had uh, ample opportunity uh, to, to, to think of replacements but, uh, uh, but it was I suppose viable candidates covering, particularly covering two seats weren't so Readily available, but we we had at the at the time uh, um, uh, we did have Jim Daly and and and, 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 Noel, Harrington. and Noel, Noel Harrington. Yeah, you did uh, return the two seats, and and so we we, we did have the carryover effect. Uh, yeah. But unfortunately, it kind of faded, and and particularly after Noel lost the seat, and then Jim uh, retired himself. So um, it. Uh, a major change around, all right. Yeah. It's it's a tough it's a tough life, though. It's not, you know, it's and particularly coming from very rural areas. You know, when you know Paddy would talk about furthest from the doll, but closest to, to the White House. But I mean, it 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 is it is furthest from the doll if you're out on any of the peninsulas. Oh yes, I mean he was talking. I think probably quite rightly that he he, he was still in County Cork when uh, when he was halfway to Dublin. You know that yeah. he, was, <laughs> he was that far. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, and uh, it, 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 it was very demanding uh, energy-wise, uh, but Paddy was up for it, and, yeah. and uh, as mentioned earlier, uh, fully supported by Francis, oh, yeah. who gave him um, uh, not just general support, but a lot of driving for him and that kind of thing. 
Yeah, he will be. He will be uh, remembered for many, many years. And you wonder, will he, will his likes? Uh, will we ever see his likes uh, again? Really, uh, Jim. Listen, well, we leave it there. And listen, it's it's terrific to talk to you. You're keeping well yourself. I'm thanks be to God. Good. Yeah. <laughs> good health and surviving everything good. during COVID so far. <laughs> That's good. All right. Well, you mind yourself and stay safe. And thanks for joining I us. Do. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is former party colleague and uh, former. Uh, Fianna Gael Dáil Deputy for Cork South West as well uh, Jim O'Keefe as we continue to remember the late Paddy Sheehan and let us continue to remember the late uh, Paddy Deputy Paddy Sheehan who passed away uh, yesterday I'm now joined by Fianna Gael uh, Councillor for West Cork uh, John O'Sullivan Good morning to you John Good morning uh, and, and you're welcome How did you hear the news yesterday? I got a, a text yesterday morning that, that uh, from one of the workers down there that Paddy had passed away and uh, I then got a text from Liam Barrett, who for, for years was Paddy's director of elections, the director of elections for Finnegan in West Cork. And uh, I then got a phone call from, from Katie Murphy, who I suppose, I suppose in one sense is kind of unusual. Katie's a granddaughter of the late Michael Pat Murphy, whose feet Paddy took when he, when he got oh. into the in 1981. Wow, wow. And, and the, the news locally, it, there's a great sense of sadness, isn't there, about his passing? You know, for a man that's, that's been gone out of politics since 2011, the, the, the legacy he leaves and, and the fond memories that, that, that he leaves, there's the, the something, I suppose, that, that, that every other public rep would try to, to live up to, the way he was, the esteem he was held in the, by, by the public. I mean, there was, was a man rang me from, from Castletown Bay yesterday and he said there were houses. He said there were Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael and there were Labour. He said, but there was a lot of houses. There were Paddy Sheehan houses. <laughs> <laughs> and he transcended, he transcended all the all the political divides and none. He was just a popular. He, he was a man, his own man. Yeah, and he was there to represent his people. Well, as, as I put up on social media, he, he was there in an era before computers and and social media. His, his notebook and his bio were the, the the tools that he used to represent people, and that notebook used to be opened and pulled them back and forth. Until everything was trialed out, you know, he was just dedicated to public service. It, it, it wasn't promotion of himself; it was just helping the area, helping people, doing things for, that, that would support the area. There was his, his, his total focus while he was in public life, and that was over a long time, you know. And would he have helped you when you started out on your political career? Absolutely, the phone was 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 always, and he'd he'd, he'd ring up there. John, back. If I can do anything for you, give me a ring. Let me know, and he'd he'd, he'd ring on occasion. Then to um to know how are you getting on? Can I can I do anything for you? Um, I yeah, the, the joke as Jim O'Keefe said earlier. I, I know you're in the in, in the other side, the other man's path, but I, I'm there anytime you want. <laughs> <laughs> okay, stay. I, I, Stay there because I want to bring in uh, Michael Cadigan is out on Cape Clear and uh, he has memories of, of Paddy Sheehan this morning. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Pastor Sheehan. Um, you remember Paddy visiting the island? Oh, I do indeed. Many, many, many times as a councillor and as a TD. Paddy was, you know, it was part and parcel. I was, as he said himself, he would go across the bay at us and stuff like that. And oh, how would I put it? Paddy was a man for all seasons, let me say, Patricia. Yeah. Because... I'd say the last time he was in Cape, which I suppose has been, I don't know, 12 or 14 years now, uh, we were doing something in the fish farm or something, and Paddy was with us opening something or doing something anyway, and he had a travel from school, so I had to collect him himself in France, and of course France was a very, very good 
she, going to see, she was great. She was used to coming to Cape. She said in her youth and dancing in Cape and so on, but to get back to Paddy, uh, I left him inside in the club anyway because the, 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 the other fellow was going to Baltimore. So when I came back, where did I find Paddy? Only standing on top of, of, uh, of uh, a porter barrel and he's singing full throttle. <laughs> so uh, I'm not too sure at all for Paddy was in the right in the in the, in the right profession. <laughs> I think he'd have done very well as well in the other profession as as uh, as a, what do you call it? Someone uh, entertaining people. An so. entertainer. An entertainer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he certainly wouldn't be shot at jokes. He had jokes that day too that probably weren't fit for for, for to be. Uh, we, we, oh yeah, we we won't tell any of those on air today. Not and really, he was, but, uh, but he was great to highlight the islands and to make sure that the islands were remembered in the Dáil because you couldn't have been further away when you were in Dáil Éireann and everything that was going on in there to what life was like in a little island. And there mightn't have been many people out in that island, but by God, Paddy was going to advocate on your behalf. Oh, that's for sure. And that he said himself, he was close, he was closer to the White House than what he was to Dáil Éireann. Yeah. But uh, I, as I, as I say, you know, him seven Charlie Hyde, a sharp exchange sometimes about about Cape, and and here another uh, another lady that's here, which is at the moment indeed that knew, that know Cape for the last forty years, and there was in in, in politics as well, Marion O'Sullivan, and herself and Paddy were sitting very close to each other. They they used to have debates and meeting Cape from time to time. So, ah, uh, yeah, I mean, Paddy was you know, Paddy was part and parcel of us. He understood rural Ireland. Which is maybe not so easily, not all the time understood as well as it could be. And but Paddy could always put the message across what rural Ireland was like and living there because he lived there, grew up there, worked hard in his youth, and all these kind of things. And I mean, you can't beat experience when it comes to explaining something. No, and and a passion. He had a great love and a passion for the area. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, I, as I say, he was part and parcel of us. And that's the way Paddy was, and there was no, there was no half measures when it came to, you know, describing where we were and how we were living and doing all that kind of thing. And but again, most importantly, he understood it. He, yeah. he didn't read about it. He grew up in it, and he understood the thing. So that was great. Like you know, from that point of view, he lived it. He absolutely lived it. Listen, Michael, um, thank you for that. Thanks for joining us. And just back to um, John, as I mentioned when I was chatting with uh, Jim O'Keefe, double sadness for the family with the fact that they've lost their mother and father within seven days. You know, I mean, our hearts go out to Dearma, Deirdre, Eucaria, Maeve, and of course, not forgetting the beloved grandchildren, but it's, it's a real double sadness for them, isn't it? I mean, I, I was over at the funeral when, when, when Francis was buried and I had a couple of words with Paddy uh, in, in, in the cemetery. And true to found Paddy, and then we were talking about Francis passing. And the, there's a man in, in Court Michelle, John Young, who was a great friend of Paddy's. And his father, how's John Young doing? Is he still telling points? You know, in the midst of his grief, he was thinking of other people. I know. But certainly Paddy and Francis, they were, they were a duo when duos weren't heard of. And, you know, it, it, it is, I suppose, ironic and it's sad that they've both gone together. But I suppose, as you said earlier, in time, when when, when people would, would have time to, to look back on it, they, they'll be kind of, a, I suppose, 
and I mean that, that they're gone together now yeah, as well. The family will hopefully take comfort. And I was reading uh, an article where he had given to a, a journalist uh, just on his retirement back in 2011, and when he was asked, you know, for his advice about aspiring uh, teenagers or, or aspiring TDs, and what advice would he give to young TDs coming up and people thinking of going into the doll? And uh, he said, like he admitted that it's not going to be a bed of roses, but he said, always remember, keep your feet on the ground and don't let the power go to your head and that's one thing he never did he, his feet were firmly on the ground and they were firmly on the ground in West Cork for sure and, and, and can I say that was in Francis was very 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 adept in making sure that wouldn't happen she, she used to keep him on the straight and narrow when it needed to be she was affectionately known as the Fort West Cork TD on, on occasion <laughs> the, so, one, you know, the one that wasn't paid that's right she had power though yeah, she did indeed. She did, and we remember them both. We'll remember them both fondly. Yeah, you know, we must send out our, our, our sympathies and our, to, to the family and to the mother and, and to the girls. There, it, it, it is a, a double blow. You know, I mean, it, it, it's one thing to lose one parent, but just turn around and and and, and finish off uh, yeah. the funeral and, and, and get over it and just be heading back and to, just to, to do it all over again. The, um, one, the one positive thing I thought he was he was a great, an absolutely fantastic supporter of Indicates. And then they contacted me yesterday. He spent two hours with him on Sunday in the house. Ah. And, you know, I think that was that, that was lovely. And I think, I, you know, I, I really feel glad. I, I actually thanked him for it. Because Paddy would, that's one thing Paddy would have been delighted with. He would. Absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, thank you for that, uh, John. Yeah. And thank you for joining us uh, this morning. Good morning to you. That is uh, Councillor John, Finnegal Councillor John uh, O'Sullivan. As we remember, Paddy Sheen, Paddy and his wife Francis. May they both rest in peace. So, you've got a smartphone or tablet. Then, get the must-have app so you can take us everywhere. Download the C103 app today and listen to your favourite shows on the go. Grab our podcasts and all the latest Cork news. And if you've a smart speaker, ask it to play C103. Play C103. Okay. On your phone. Tablet. Smart speaker. And radio. C103. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, peer parties in Skull are an accident waiting to happen. That's according to Cork Southwest Independent Door Deputy Michael Collins. He was speaking after beer and spirit bottles, as well as cans, were found strewn on the pier in recent days. And Deputy Michael Collins uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning. Uh, and Michael, firstly, sad day in the constituency with the passing of your former uh, Dáil Deputy Paddy Sheen and I believe you are in the same parish. I am in the, in the Golden Parish, uh, the same parish as Paddy, that's where I live and, you know, his death yesterday, uh, it was great shock, uh, I'd say, and sadness because, you know, Francis had passed away last week and, you know, um, it just wasn't expected. I passed uh, through Golden on, on, on Saturday and I see Paddy sitting out himself and, you know, trying to I suppose, get over the, the passing of someone that he loved so much. And I suppose, look, Paddy was one of the people, I, I knew him very well, as, as everybody around here obviously did. Um, and, you know, I suppose one thing he was, he was able to get a vote from uh, people right across the political spectrum because he was a man of the people and he, he never wore the party hat too much and people loved him. Maybe were Fianna Fáil and Gael, there might have been great rivalry long ago. I often met Fianna Fáil people telling me they voted Paddy Sheen and uh, because he had that type of charisma about him. And, you know, his passion is cut. You know, great sadness. 
um, in, the, in this community and certainly um, you know I, I sympathise with the, with the family yeah, it's a very sad time for them at the moment Absolutely absolutely may he rest in peace Now in peace, yeah. drinking on the pier uh, in Scala is this something that's always happened especially during summer months? Yes sadly it is it's uh, you know it's, it's getting worse if anything uh, it's, it's um, uh, place down there by the pier it's called Pub Pier Road uh, it's, it's famously been dubbed uh, unfortunately for all the wrong reasons quite a lot of drinking illegal drinking going on there um, all sorts of drinking whether it's illegal or illegal but in, in the public domain unfortunately it, it, it spills over well it might be only a small number you know um, um, in the early parts of the summer it spills over in what's so called the Cavs Week in Skull which is in the past week it, you know, it has been cancelled the Cavs Week but that stopped the young people from congregating unfortunately locally where the empties could be put? There is bins but like you're talking about uh, anything up to three, four hundred young people drinking oh. and, uh, in a spread out area and it's, 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 it's you know okay if the weather is bad and they worse because uh, they're, they're intense and the tents get blown away. We, we, uh, the problem is the bylaws need to be changed. They need to be very strict uh, laws and, 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 and I will say one thing in fairness they're not getting this drink locally. And they're coming down here from, 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 from not so far away, maybe the cities with very, very fancy cars. So they're not, they're, they're not people that are, uh, uh, finding it difficult to get their hands on money. Um, and their, their, their boots are full of, of alcohol. And it's part of them from the minute they land to the minute they go on. If they're staying here a week or two, there's wrecking on uh, the local community. And the one thing is in holiday areas, well, you know, it has a lot to offer uh, and so many Great people come here and so many people enjoy meals and a drink and, 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 and one of our facilities are here. They don't have to drink, but they have a lot of facilities that are here that are, you know, encouraging people to come back and come back and they can do all the, the rounds and battle the hops, call them beautiful mission and go to the place. That's what the unfortunate situation is. You have very, very young people. Their parents are literally hanging keys and letting them off and they have no idea what they're getting up to. I can tell you some of them are so well healed. They'd be, they'd be absolutely shocked if they thought their young people were getting up to what they're getting up to. Giving cheek, giving cheek um, uh, to, to people who are trying to run to local businesses and are trying to keep control of the businesses. It's quite shocking to say the least. And you say bylaws. Do we need bylaws introduced to stop it? I think it needs to be bylaws in, in, in towns and in holiday villages like this to make sure this, this type of... That the Gardaí is stronger now because the Gardaí, in fairness, I'm really covered here. They had extra Gardaí over the weekend. They had the traffic court coming out and, and, and so there's a... Uh, I don't have a Gardaí here, but there's only so much they can do as such with a, with a huge volume of, of, of young people, 16, 17, 18 years of age, and in some ways... <laughs> and you might have seen some of the pictures that I saw and that I saw visually and I, I was said to me um, myself... Uh, absolutely correct. I'm only three miles away from where all this is going on. Uh, Western crew 
think people from Botany was the same situation the same weekend. They absolutely ran riot down there. Um, and you no, know, you can control three or four hundred people. Um, but if the laws are stronger, but they can be detained um, and, 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 and send the message back to the parents and maybe even make the parents responsible. Mm. The parents are, are not looking after their little children because that's all they are. And when, when, when I mentioned when I mentioned at the outset your quote that it's an accident waiting to happen, your fear is that somebody could fall off the pier. Well, you see, that's one thing. I mean, I was down the pier there this morning and I look at, the, you know, there's a drop there about maybe 25, 30 feet. Most of them are congregating along this wall. Now, I'm amazed at the council, to be honest, because we've pleaded with the council to, to put in um, a barrier there. Now, to put the barrier below Union Hall where there's no danger, we're trying to get them to put a barrier where there is, uh, it could be a loss of life in along the pier wall in Scullis and Fortune. You don't want to break any views out of the water, but you, you must look at the situation where a lot of young people are congregating and where there needs to be safety procedures put in place and a barrier needs to be put along. A safety barrier needs to be put, put there because if they'll fall back some night, they will unfortunately lead to a lot of life. I think it's a miracle it hasn't. I'm yeah. involved in the local community alert. We've been pleading with, um, with the council to put a barrier along the wall just to make sure that they have something to fall back in and not, not simply back into a 25, 30-foot drop where unfortunate injuries are, are dead good uh, too, but uh, the bottom line is, though, it comes back to, to parents will have to figure out where their children gone for the mm. week. And, and, they, and, and I saw Centra. I saw Centra in Skull. Their shrubs were all ripped up, and rocks and boulders scattered at the entrance to to the supermarket. I, I, yes, absolutely, and like like the owners of Sintra and a, a lot of businesses, well, they're trying to control these people, which is unfair on them because they're trying to run a business. Sintra and Skull did a fabulous new um, opened into the back of their shop recently, built a beautiful wall, lovely shrubs. Desperate, carry on. It really is. It really is. Okay, and just before we let you go, I saw our, our own Dr. Nick, who regularly joins us on the programme, Dr. Nick Flynn from mycorkgp.ie, uh, has wrote in to help out with your COVID testing for the cataract bus. Well, we're very, very lucky because the problem was I, I wanted more clinic spaces from Belfast. Uh, while they want, they wanted to take our, 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 our patients. They weren't able to send somebody down on a continuous basis. Doctor, me, contacted me last Monday week, uh, which has opened up the whole uh, Belfast uh, our blind procedure. We're getting, we had a bus last Saturday week. We had a bus last Saturday. We have another bus um, now next Saturday. The fact, but I'll be taking patients up to to Cork tomorrow for to be swabbed uh, with Doctor Nixon, and 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 the whole thing has worked out very very well. Um, and Kingsbridge will be able to t- give us the clinic uh, spaces once we have them uh, COVID tested. And in fairness, the Kingsbridge are covering the cost of COVID test, which is uh, excellent. But the whole me- meaning is that we have two basically emergency buses. I quite a lot of people almost blind uh, because they were held up for the last five or six months and they need to get out as quick as possible. So the relief uh, is palpable out there when they get this opportunity and they will be getting another opportunity to begin on Saturday. Uh, because we spoke to you when the first bus was going back up to Belfast a couple of weeks ago after a lockdown and, and you were talking about there would be new procedures different to the way you've normally normally done but everything went off okay? Everything went very well. It's, 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 uh, people are going, obviously being swabbed on the wings day over three to travel on Saturday. Saturday to the hotel, hotel by taxi and parents covered by Kingsbridge. Each individual is taken, taken uh, for, for, for the consultation and returned back to the hotel and in the taxi the next morning for operation the bus comes back. It, the procedure change will all the bus operators and everybody is working very, very closely together to make sure this happens and it's, it's rolling very, very nicely again. It's 
extended layer the, the, the COVID testing is and a lot of people have been thrown on to how they to get through the cities and places like that. So look, we accommodate that by being off to some of the means that I'm able to give that kind of extra attention. So I take a number of people up tomorrow and all the other staff members are taking the rest of them up to, to Douglas to get the COVID tested. And in fairness, the staff and extending the staff up there, it's all done. Bang, bang, bang. It's within minutes. They're out the door. Some people got asked, they were saying, when is it done? Is it done? They, even though they had got the, the swab and the mode and the nose, they thought there was more to it. They looked delighted. So, you know, it's, it's, it's working out very well. Okay. And, and it's opened up to us. Okay. And, and, and we wish the best of luck to all of the people going for their treatment on that bus. Listen, Michael, we leave it there. Thank you for that. Thank you. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us. I'm just seeing that the Jersey cable car is closed unexpectedly today. Don't know why, but we've just been informed about that. That's the Jersey cable car closed for today. We need to take a break. We have news at 11 on the way. Sadie and John Paul continue to take your calls at 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. C103 now brings you even more music variety. Music variety. We've just launched a brand new radio station. C103 Anthems. Playing the biggest songs of, of, of all time. Exclusively online. Got a good feeling. Got a good feeling. C103 Anthems. To listen to C103 Anthems, download our phone app, ask your smart speaker, or go to c103.ie. C103 Anthems. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Let me go to the phone lines uh, because a puppy has gone missing and they say, the powers that be say, the sooner you can get information out about a dog that's been stolen, the better chance you have of the dog being returned. Let me go to uh, Court McSherry where Emily joins me. Good morning, Emily. Hi, good morning. How are you? I, I'm very well. I imagine a very upset household where, where you are this morning. It's, it's, now, it's a young, it's a young pup. Is it, is it only nine weeks old? Yeah, nine weeks old. Um, we actually just got in the night before um, the kid's dad, my partner, he was after bringing the puppy down for our six-and-a-half-year-old son. And we had him inside, no problem. We went away yesterday for, I'd say, two, three hours max um, just to do a bit of shopping and whatever. And we left him outside the back with our Labrador. She's three-and-a-half years old. And we came back and the puppy was gone. Labrador was there, but the puppy was gone. Yeah. A secure garden? Very. Um, the walls are, they're concrete walls, about nine feet tall. So somebody got came in over the wall? Yeah. Um, like the only other entrance is the side gate, but we actually had that all locked up from the inside. So there was no way to open it. How did they know there was a pup in the back garden? I have no idea. They must have seen him coming in or heard the puppy or something. But our Labrador was still there. Now she's a lot bigger like the puppy was going to be. Small little thing. Yeah, easy to... Easy. What what type of a dog, Emily? Um, A black terrier. And tiny at nine weeks old. They're tiny little things. Yeah, and full of energy and all go. And, and we came back and he was just gone. And it's your, it's, it, you got the dog for your son? Yeah, he's six and a half. Oh man, is he devastated? Oh, 
like she was saying, was I bold? Is that with some fucking? Oh, no, no. Oh, don't say that. Oh, the poor child. Saying, oh, my God. How am I supposed to explain that? So, and you are convinced this, the dog was stolen. There's no way, the do- there's no way this no puppy could have got out. No, no way. No way. And we checked high and low, called him. No, nothing. And you don't have a photograph because you'd only just got No, the... all I have is a blurry one from the night before because, like we said, we were only just after getting him. Okay, um, have, have you contacted the lost dogs on the Facebook pages? Um, yeah, uh, we've left our name and number with the vet in case he's handed in. And so, like, the only thing that we can do is hope that someone comes across him and that someone contacts us. Is he microchipped? He is. Um, vaccinated, everything. Yeah, okay. Okay, but, uh, and so what time yesterday, just for people in Court Mac, in case anybody saw anything, what time yesterday did, were, you, were you out from? Um, we were out between about half three, um, about half three, four o'clock, and we got home at about seven. Okay, so if anybody spotted anything, and what part of Court Mac are you in? Um, at Nagrena. Arden Grena, okay. Yeah. If anybody's but was has there been any suspicious activity? Like we were constantly hearing about a white van during the rounds that people are convinced is is t- trying to case houses to see if there are dogs. Has there been yeah, any suspicious vehicles we've around? Heard, we've heard loads of stories, but we haven't heard anything in Cormac in particular. But you see, because where we are, it's kind of a road that's used an awful lot. So, like cars and vans driving past wouldn't usually cause any kind of an alarm or yeah, wouldn't raise any suspicion and you're right no. in the middle of the summer season and Court Mac is a very popular spot in very, the summer yeah. so there's lots of strange cars and vehicles all oh, with legitimate yeah. reasons for, for being there okay if anybody saw anything yesterday and had you named what was the had the pup what was the pup name Darkie Darkie yeah, as you do for a black. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's just heartbreaking that it's a little boy's um, pet as well. Yeah. Okay, let's. They, they say the more information you can get out, the quicker the better. So you've got it out in under 24 hours. Let's see if anybody has seen anything suspicious, uh, saw anything yeah. suspicious in, in Corp Mac yesterday. And in the meantime, people keep a lookout for a little black uh, puppy. Yeah. Okay. And if it was sold to someone, we are willing to reimburse whatever they have paid for the puppy. You're as good. You're as good. Okay, and at least it is microchipped. That does give you an extra bit of of security in the hope that it can be. Because if somebody bought a pup like that, you assume they may take it to the vet and then eventually it'll get scanned and your name and address is on it. Okay, listen, Emily, we'll keep in contact with you, okay? Brilliant. Thanks All very right. much, Patricia. Mind yourself. Bye-bye. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye. Ah, when is this going to stop? This awful, awful scourge of dogs and pups been robbed it really is uh, shocking I saw one of the is it Dundeal have stopped the sale of dogs they've stopped the advertisement of sales of dogs because we've got to stop the market for people buying these pups people have got to start questioning when they're buying dogs when they're buying pups if you're meeting somebody in a car park or you're meeting somebody you're not seeing the pup in its natural environment with its with its mother you have to start questioning where this dog has come from we just have to have to stop it anyway let's see if anybody spotted anything any unusual suspicious behaviour in Cork McSherry yesterday afternoon half three four o'clock between then and seven uh, a little black pup uh, stolen and see if we can get that pup back to that little boy who's 
heartbroken down in Cork Mac. 1850-333-103. Some more of your texts and calls coming in. Uh, still getting in commentary on the late uh, Paddy Sheehan. Hi Patricia, so nice to hear the TDs talk about the late Paddy Sheehan uh, today on your programme. He was a man that no one could fill his shoes. He really looked after the people of West Cork. Both his wife Francis and himself were an amazing couple and real people. May they both rest in peace. Sympathy to his children. So sad for them and so soon a week after their mum's passing. But I had to text and say uh, fair play to yourself for remembering the great man who had who were, who had once represented the people of West Cork. May God reward them both now in heaven. They are united again. And that's from Teresa in uh, Bandon. Thank you for that, uh, Teresa. And an email in from Michael McCarthy, former TD also for Cork South West, that I also want to pay tribute to Paddy Sheehan this morning on the sad news that he's passed away only a couple of days after his beloved wife, Frances. Paddy was a champion of the people that he represented and a passionate and enthusiastic advocate for West Cork. I served on Cork County Council and in the Oireachtas with, with him and he had a unique ability to lift everybody's spirit when he entered a room. His wit and good humour were infectious and he was fiercely loyal to his party, Fine Gael, and his constituency and he made no bones about it. His contributions to Dáil debates were lively and energetic and his work rate on the ground was unequalled. He was a character and we will all remember him fondly as he's now united with his dear wife, Frances. My sincere sympathies to Dermot, Eucaria, Maeve and Deirdre and the extended family. And that's from Michael McCarthy, former TD for Cork South West. Emailing Patricia at C103. Ie. Thank you for that, uh, Michael. And lots of people saying similar things, saying that he was just a man of the people and uh, he will be remembered. Um, his likes will never be seen again. Aidan says, Paddy Sheen was a man of his word. Anything he said he would do for you, he would do. And he will be missed. 1850-333-103. OK, just some other calls coming in. Mary is wondering, will there be a pilgrimage from West Cork to Knock this year? I think that is highly unlikely, uh, Mary. We're not, I don't think we're going to certainly for the rest of this year get anywhere near having large gatherings like pilgrimage to knock we'll wait and see but I, my gut instinct would say uh, no Meg is saying the misbehaviour in Skull Pier that we discussed with Deputy Michael Collins in the last hour Meg says that goes on every single summer it isn't by local people it's by non-residents who think we in Skull should be grateful for their euros and we should just suck it up says Meg it has to end John from Blackpool is looking for suggestions please from listeners he's hoping listeners might enlighten him he's considering going to Banna Beach next week for a few days with his six year old grandson and he's wondering could listeners suggest activities for a six year old boy apart from the obvious one of the beach so other things to do in Banna Beach if you go there regularly what would you suggest John could do if he goes there next week along with his six-year-old grandson. Any suggestions, please? 1850-333-103. John and Clonakilty says, Patricia, I see last night in Finland a flight that had come in from Macedonia. 197 passengers on board the flight. 24 have now tested positive for COVID-19. And yet we have flights coming into this country all of the time. People in uh, coming on flights into this country, we have to start testing them. I know there was talks last week, the Dawes Special Committee on COVID-19, they had recommended that all people arriving in Ireland should have temperature checks to prevent new cases entering the country. But then there's for and against temperature checks because they're saying it, it, it's, it's high cost and it's recent 
resource intensive and there are times when you wonder does it actually work now I know other countries uh, use it but a lot of people point out that the is there huge beneficial benefits to screening everybody and taking everybody's uh, temperature because you can get a false sense of security if you've got everybody saying oh their temperatures are fine it can lead to a false sense of security and I know even in that crash in Dublin or the question meads that we're talking about that is the two adults and the three cases they were checking temperatures all of the time and temperature checks didn't pick up any of the cases of COVID-19 in that particular uh, crash and we were celebrating the fact that how great New Zealand were and they had reached 100 days without any COVID-19 cases and people were saying we should be taking a lead from New Zealand they're similar to Ireland similar population they're an island and we can learn from them news just breaking from New Zealand uh, they've had their first locally transmitted coronavirus infection in 102 days it's prompted the country's Prime Minister to issue a stay at home lockdown order for the country's largest city it's in Auckland four cases have been detected in a single family in Auckland and it's coming from an unknown known source they say after 102 days we've had our first case of COVID-19 outside of the managed isolation or quarantine facilities while we all work incredibly hard to prevent the scenario we've also planned and prepared uh, for it. In a statement on their website, the country's health minister said today's today's case is a man in his 20s who had returned to New Zealand from Melbourne on the 20th of July. The man was in managed isolation at a hotel in Auckland. He tested negative on the third day, but then tested positive for coronavirus on day 12. He has been transferred to a quarantine facility in uh, Auckland. So even a country like New Zealand, who are and they are doing everything right, they have still now had their first four cases in a single family in Auckland from an unknown source. 1850-333-103. This virus certainly ain't going away. C103 Jobs. Person is wanted for car and van sales. That's in Formoy. Motor trade experience and a knowledge of mechanics is required. Friends Forever, that's the childcare in Castletown Bear. They've got vacancies for three childcare practitioners two ECI supervisor roles and one childcare assistant. They're also looking for a caretaker and a cleaner. A dumper driver and a carpenter wanted for for a site in Kanturk. And an office manager is required for a busy city motor dealer. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Every couple has a story of how they met. My mum met my dad at school uh, in detention. My best friend met his wife at a club through a friend of a friend. And my boss met her fiancé after they got chatting online. Find someone to share your story with at c103dating.ie. 24% of Irish people have tried online dating and one in five relationships begin there. At c103dating.ie, we have genuine nice people that would like to meet you. Begin your story today by registering for free at c103dating.ie. Now we are checking with Irish Rail on this one. We have had a WhatsApp in from Audrey to say my friend went back to Dublin on the 1425 train. It stopped in Mallow and then the train got very crowded. There was no social distancing and they were told it did not apply to public trains. What rubbish. There also was no inspector on the train, says Audrey. And I thought that all of the buses and the trains were laid out 
to allow for social distancing and that there were certain seats marked off. But we've checked in with, we're checking with Irish Rail as to, in Audrey's particular case and the train that her friend was on. But the official response regarding seats from Irish Rail, social distancing where possible, and that's keeping at least two metres away from other people. However, please note, public transport will operate at up to 50% capacity, resulting in distancing not always being possible. So I thought that once the train was full, that was it. But it seems, no, if you've got your ticket for the train and the social distancing goes out the door, if a lot of people decide to get on the train at the same time, that will make uh, a number of people nervous. Now, I know when you're in that situation, as with all public transport, you must wear a mask, but it certainly will make some people a little bit nervous. We'll get, we're getting onto Irish Rail anyway for a response, particularly for what happened with Audrey and her friend on that particular uh, train. Now, moving to a completely different issue, because residents campaigning for major road safety upgrades and what has become the unofficial Northern Ring Road around Cork City has hailed a €40,000 grant for improved pedestrian links. Uh, joining me is Geraldine Hassett, who's spokesperson for the residents of Killard, which is near Blarney. Good morning to you, Geraldine. Good morning, Patricia. Um, Thank you for inviting, inviting me back on here. Well, it's, it's, it's great to have you back. Just remind us how busy the road is. Okay, so... Um I suppose, Patricia, we, over the, during the COVID pandemic, we found that the road users um, had significantly increased their speed. Um, there was a reduction in the amount of road users, but however, with the, with the free road, um, they were speeding significantly and the HGVs. Um, now, this road is accessed in particular to um, the university hospital. Um, there's a lot of business um, centres near where, near where the main road is. Um, access to Cloheen Business Park, access to the hospitals, the colleges, um, access from Mallow and Blarney Business Park. So it's a really, really busy road, but it's also a residential area of 67 houses. And I suppose there was a concern, a major concern by the residents of the increased speeding in the area. So we were looking at ways to combat that and come together as community and, and do something about it. You see, I'm really taken aback to hear that during lockdown it actually got worse because my next question was going to be to, be to you. Did you see a significant fall off in traffic during yes. lockdown and did that lead to cars slowing down? And you're saying the opposite happened it with was, the speed. It was, it was the opposite happened with oh. the speed, unfortunately. And um, I suppose that there would, you know, it is busy in the mornings pre-COVID and I suppose because there wasn't the same backlog or delays, um, pe- people were using the free road to kind of speed up. Um, and I suppose there was kind of more checkpoints in the in the Blackpool area. So maybe our road was be- being kind of used as a, you know, somewhere to avoid maybe the main checkpoints in the Blackpool area as a kind of a back road. So we, we just saw a huge increase in the in the number of speeding. And I suppose with many of our most vulnerable um, neighbours and friends using the footpath more and trying to access services in the village um, and, and you know having their few hours out of the house yeah. and, um, you, and you have their, the limitations of their 5k we're, we're very nervous You have a number of elderly people living in that area We do, we have an, a significant number of, of um, elderly people in the area and I suppose that is why the with the announcement now of um, Heather Humphrey's announcement on the 3rd of of August in relation to the forty thousand euro funding that has been awarded to Killard is, is a significant and positive development for the residents here. Um 
were absolutely thrilled with that right. news. Now this was this is from the grant, the package that was announced to help people help towns and villages cope during COVID nineteen, isn't it? It's it's that grant exactly. funding. Yeah, exactly. okay. Okay, so, so what 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 will you do with that money? Okay, so yeah, it was announced um by the Minister for Rural and Community Development, Heather Humphreys. Um, to help rural towns and villages to adapt to the COVID-19 pandemic, as you said, Patricia. And the funding is to benefit 106 towns. Um, We were lucky enough to be one of 13 villages in the whole of Ireland to receive maximum funding. And we were the largest largest award in Cork itself. So the money will be used to restore the pedestrian access along the partially blocked footway, footpath between Killard and Blarney, so it'll improve accessibility for our most mature and vulnerable residents to access vital services in the village that they haven't been able to do so um, currently because the the footpath is broken and it's below the minimum standard, council standard of a two metre wide footpath. It's well below it, which means that anybody who needs to access the village has to step onto the road. And in doing so, you're coming against speeding cars. And you're, if you're if you're buggy or wheelchair or bikes, you have to step onto the main road. So you're taking your life and your children's lives into your hands by doing having to step onto a main road just to access vital services. So this is a significant development in our overall campaign of what we've been trying to achieve. Well done. And it, well done. Yeah, and it comes off the back of maybe 30, 40 years of people who've come before me um, and who've campaigned for the exact same um, the exact same pedestrian access to be improved and the infrastructure in the area to be improved and they've been banging on the door for years trying to get this so it's so just to honour those people who've 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 gone before myself and Colette Thomas and and Tim Donovan who's the chairperson to to achieve what we've achieved today and it's combined effort yeah I was reminding myself of your area yesterday when I knew you were coming on the programme today and and that's the one thing that struck me was residents in that area have been raising their concerns since the mid 1990s I mean that's shocking that people can be expect have to put up with this just because of where their houses are situated. Exactly, that's it, Patricia. Yeah, that's exactly it. And I think that's why the community spirit in Clare is so fantastic for this particular campaign. Campaign, and maybe because of COVID, we all came together and we were all around and at home. That we said, look, we're not actually taking no for an answer this time. And I suppose just from being part of it and being part of a team of people who've achieved this to see the amount of work that's involved, but the collaboration as well with the political parties who have been very helpful to us, um, Sinn Féin and um, Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil, the TDs who've come on board, um, Padraig O'Sullivan and Colin Burke and Thomas Gould, and in particular Thomas Gould and Padraig actually walked the footpath. So they came to the... We have held seven protests since March. We've kept the agenda alive. We've kept our objectives alive and on the table for everybody to, to know what we're trying to achieve. And they attended and they walked the footpath so they could see the real issues that um, and the concerns that we had. And then the lo- our local councillors, Damon Boyle and Tony Fitzgerald, Ken Collins, and particular Mick Nugent, who never missed a protest. He was fantastic. Okay. Um, and I think it's that kind of never say die. We just continue to push on to achieve to achieve this. And there's lots of other things that we're 
that we're working on as well. So we've kind of five main objectives. The driver feedback signs. You know those signs, Patricia, that tell you what, you know, you're doing 50 or you're doing 60 I, and they oh, give the I, smiley face. Yeah, I think they are great. I know there's four again. I think they're great and I think they will always remind you because uh, I, I, it annoys me if I'm just even one kilometre over what it should be. I'm determined to either get a thank you or a smiley face. Exactly. Or, yeah, because yeah, you're, you're really conscious. So, unfortunately, there isn't any funding available from the, the council for that. Okay. So we fundraised ourselves for that. So we're in the middle of fundraising um, in our own community um, for to purchase two of those signs okay. ourselves. And then we're going to get them installed at either end of Collard. So now, apart from the fact that we've put up our own signage and um, some of the residents made signs and bought signs and um, fabulous neighbours of ours, um, Christy Nathan and Charles Galvin, they purchased signs. And a lot of the feedback, Patricia, that we're getting from road users is that they have been slowing down when they see, especially the children at play signs. Yeah. That that's resonated with them, um, that there is children around and that and they are actually slowing down. So we have seen a reduction, I must say, even with our own signs. So I think with the driver feedback signs now as well, it should have a big impact. Um, and we got other good news then as well in that we had two applications for a new footpath in Killard itself and they were they were turned down but I suppose from exposure from yourself um, and giving us a media platform to speak about our, our issues there's a funding has been made available for a new footpath to be laid and that's hoping we're hoping that'll happen um, in October of this year and that'll form part of traffic calming measures in Collard as a whole but I suppose for us we are so delighted because this is the first time ever over 25 houses in Collard will walk out their driveways and have a safe platform in between their own front doors and the main road. They've never, ever had a footpath, ever. It's a basic, isn't it? Um, it really is just a, such a basic, yeah. basic thing. Somebody is saying, what about speed bumps? Would they help? Um, well, because we are the main, um, I suppose, access route for the ambulances and the services to access this, the um, hospital, it wouldn't be feasible to have speed bumps because it would it would slow down the ambulances trying to access the hospital in an emergency and that's something we wouldn't want to put okay. in the way and we wouldn't want to prevent, um, you know, we wouldn't want to slow down emergency okay. vehicles. Um, but we're, look, the council have been great. Dennis O'Regan is our area manager and he's been fantastic in coming on board and really working with us and it just shows the power of the community and that if you do get involved with and speak up and speak out with um, the council, your area um, engineer and local council and your TDs and collaboratively together, um, things can be achieved. And we've done some lovely things as well. Or Tim um, Dunham, he's, he's put up a lovely memorial plaque for past residents of Collard and he's, re- he's reinstated an old pump and put up some lovely, lovely hanging baskets. So there's lots of little things you can do yourself as well, just coming together as a community. And that's um, the one thing I always notice, and, and yeah. I've noticed this over the years, when something like that happens in an area, and where an area has to fight, either fight against something being built, yeah. or fight th- because you need something, in your case, a basic thing like footpaths, it does bring a community together. It does, it really does. And you know, it's, it's like we, there's people who, who haven't seen each other for years, it's kind of rekindled old friendships. And I think in the pandemic as well, people were so lonely, and in particularly the vulnerable and the more mature residents who were afraid to come out their doors, are afraid that just standing at their gate with a sign saying slow down, 
and someone might be chatting across the road to them or their neighbour. It was just a lovely kind of a community thing and a sense of everyone checking in on each other and it was lovely. And we got great feedback kind of from other communities who were saying, you know, this is a great idea and how did you go about it and what did you do? And it's just like over five month period we've achieved so much well and we're we're well done, we're you can be very delighted. proud. We're delighted with the with the engagement we've got as well from as I said, the guards and, you know, the councillors and the TDs and yourself, Patricia, without you, you were the first media to contact us and put our story out there and it just, you know, it catapulted our story out well, for oh, well, the, the well, relevant authorities to stand up and listen well, and to at this time act after so long of us banging on the door. So I'm delighted. Well, we're glad that we, we could be the platform to help you do yeah, that. Listen, thank you so it's, much, it's a good we're it's thrilled. a good news story in the middle it of COVID-19. <laughs> we, need, we need good story, news yeah. stories. Yeah, listen, and special thanks to everybody who helped. It's okay. been fantastic. And we'll, and keep, we'll, keep, we'll keep in contact. We won't forget about you. Thanks and so much, Patricia. Thanks a million. Give us a toot when you're passing We will indeed. God bless. Bye bye. Isn't she lovely? That's uh, Geraldine Hassett, spokesperson for the residents of Killard near Blarney. Very lucky to get some of that funding package that was announced last week by uh, Heather Humphrey. Even though for something like as basic as footpaths, goodness me, what those people have had to put up with. Somebody said, tell that lady, uh, Geraldine, to ask the TDs and the councillors to give up their pay rise, give it back. It should be used for infrastructure. Uh, that's where the money should have been spent in the first place. Isn't it shameful that a community has to go to that length to fight for something as basic as a footpath? People wishing uh, everybody in Killinard the best of luck. And the best thing everybody else can do when you're driving through that area is be aware uh, that is is a residential area and there are a number of older people and younger people there's children at play as well. Slow it down. Slow, slow down, please. 1850-333-103. And a couple of people have been reacting to Emily who joined us about the the little terrier pup that was stolen yesterday from a back garden in Court McSherry. A very secure back garden. It looks like somebody got in over the wall. Very high walls but they still managed to get in and you're wondering how did they know that the pup was there? Was the house being watched? Was there any suspicious activity? Someone was on to say in the last week, particularly around the Clonakilty area, a listener says there's been a suspicious white van. It always seems to be a white van for, for some reason. There was a young male and a female. They weren't local. One listener says, once I made it obvious that I was watching them, and taking note of their car registration number. It was a Kerry registered 09 white van. They didn't look like holidaymakers, says this uh, caller, and they seemed to be acting pretty suspiciously. And when they saw me, they drove off, says this uh, texter. Hi, Patricia. The thieves mark the premises where the dogs are with cable ties and they come back later when they know the house is empty. You should keep your dogs in your dwelling house when you are out. Never leave them in the garden, even if you think the garden is secure. You also might need to consider installing CCTV. And someone else says, oh, Patricia, what the heck is wrong with all of these people? There's scams going on and now dogs being stolen. Just the meanness of it and the general selfish attitude of some people. It's simply out of control. What to do? I wish I had the answer, said this texter. I am just so very saddened at human behaviour currently. That's a text to 0862 103 103. Due to COVID-19, the big summer concerts 
are all off, but the biggest stars will still play this summer. One, two, three. The Backgarden Festival. It's a new online station that plays non-stop festival hits from the ultimate superstar lineup. Round the clock every day. The Backgarden Festival with Harvey Norman, your specialists in sound this summer. Get all the lowdown and listen live on the C103 app or go to c103.ie. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, researchers are examining whether surfers and people who swim in rivers, lakes or at sea are at a risk of picking up antibiotic-resistant superbugs, which can cause life-threatening infections. Joining me to discuss the research is Dr. Liam Burke of NUI in Galway. Good morning, Liam. Hi Patricia, how are you? Uh, I'm very well and, and you're welcome uh, to the programme. I suppose firstly, so as not to frighten people, particularly summer season, lots of people down listening to us today in West Cork and they're out in the beautiful seas around West Cork. Is it fair to say that we do have some of the cleanest bathing waters in Europe? That's absolutely true. And I was down in West Cork only a couple of weekends ago <laughs> uh, enjoying them for myself. Um, uh, yeah, we do have some of the best waters in Europe. Uh, unfortunately, there are still some locations around the country where uh, raw sewage is being discharged. Now, Irish Water are working very hard to remedy that, but it's going to take them some time to do so. Now, usually the discharge areas are not anywhere near recreational waters, but that's not to say that uh, the bugs still couldn't end up in these waters. So therefore then bathers could be picking up deadly bacteria that are not routinely tested for. Is, is that the problem? Yeah, so currently when environmental health officers test these waters to see if they're safe to swim in. They look for indicator organisms that will normally are resident in the guts of animals and humans, but they're not looking specifically for antibiotic resistant bacteria. Um, so we don't really know how many of these uh, superbugs are in our waters. So you're launching this study called PEER and you're looking for volunteers. Tell me about PEER. Yeah, so PEER is, stands for the Public Health Impact of Exposure to Antibiotic Resistance in Recreational Waters. It's a bit of a mouthful, that's why we call it PEER. Um, so we're looking to recruit water users uh, primarily, but also people who don't use the water frequently to compare with. And what we're asking people to do is to provide us with a sample that we can analyse to see if they carry superbugs in their gut. So we're looking to recruit 150 people who frequently use uh, seas, lakes or rivers in Ireland uh, for recreation. So this can be anyone who's a surfer, a swimmer, you might be a triathlete or anyone who gets in the water basically and is at risk of swallowing some water. And ideally from all over the country to get a good sample, is it? Ideally, yes, from all over the country. And as well as that, then we're also um, recruiting people who don't get in the water. So if you're an environmentally conscious person, but you're not big on swimming in the sea, maybe Hmm. it's a little bit too cold for you or something like that. You're also welcome to participate in the project. And we really need these people, too, because they're just as important as the others. Without those group of people to compare, we really can't say anything. And because of increased antibiotic use, uh, Liam, are superbugs becoming more common? That's right, yeah. So the more we use antibiotics, the more these bugs get resistant to them. And in fact, they develop these resistant mechanisms in the presence of antibiotics. So, for example, if we're not uh, taking all our course of antibiotics and we're getting rid of them down the sink, these antibiotics can end up in the environment then. And, you know, a lot of uh, industry and that kind of thing that produce the uh, pharmaceuticals, they take care of them in the proper way and get rid of them in the proper way. But occasionally people may not 
do that. Um, they may not be aware that, you know, flushing your antibiotics down the sink is probably not a good idea because they're just going to end up in the environment. And you, you and, hear, and yeah, it. you it's actually hear of a lot of people doing that and, the, and therefore that's why when chemist shops will routinely do run campaigns to say drop your medicines off to us. Exactly, yeah, and then they know how to take care of them properly so that they're recycled um, well and that they don't drive this antibiotic resistance in the environment. So it's becoming more and more of a problem in Europe uh, lately. And another thing that's uh, worrying is that the bugs can actually spread these resistance mechanisms around between each other in environments where antibiotics are present. And as with uh, COVID-19, are we back to all the good hygiene to try to stop the spread? Yeah, so if you do if you do become colonized with a with a antibiotic resistant bug, um it's probably not going to cause you any harm if you're, you know, a relatively healthy individual and if the bug stays in your bowel and stays in your gut. But if it can get into your urinary tract or into your bloodstream, then it can cause quite a nasty infection that's very difficult to treat because, you know, there's not too many antibiotics left that will work against this. And these type of infections are usually happening in people whose immune systems isn't functioning at 100% anymore. So maybe um, they're very elderly or people who are immunocompromised for whatever reason, or even the very young as well can sometimes get these type of infections. So if you pick up a bug yourself, you'd probably be okay, but you may end up passing that on to some people in your household or in your workplace that may be affected by it adversely. And did did I read that you, you at NUI you discovered um, one of these superbugs in the bathing water in Galway back in 2017? Yeah, so the research group that I'm part of uh, is led by Professor Morris, Professor Deborah Morris, and her uh, group found uh, AMR resist or sorry antibiotic resistant bugs in waters around bathing waters around Galway. And the waters where the bugs were found were actually deemed sufficient by the current bathing water uh, standards. So it kind of shows you, you know, there may be a threat there that we're not currently looking for that we need to explore more. And hopefully the results of the peer project will um, help to identify for us whether we do need uh, to change the policy around um, monitoring of bathing waters for these type of bugs and other pathogens. Well done. Well done. So um, 300 volunteers, 150 that swim and 150 that don't. Yeah, we've had an amazing response so far. Great. Um, and, you know, we're really thankful to everybody who's participated. Um, you can sign up at the PEER website. It's www.nuigalway.ie forward slash PEER. And there you'll find all the information about what's involved in participating in the study. Um, we're going to send you everything that you need in the post. Um, it'll only take you about 10 minutes to carry out what we need you to do. And you can free post it back to us then and we'll do our analysis on your sample in the laboratory. Brilliant, brilliant. Okay. And how is everybody getting on in Galway? I'm, I'm assuming you've a lot of tourists around, have you? We do, yeah. Galway's doing well. Um, unfortunately, the European capital of culture thing was sort of put on hold and it put a dent in their plans. But um, yeah, things are definitely livening up. I was in town at the weekend and there was lots of people out enjoying the sunshine. It was fantastic. Okay, it's always better when the sun shines. Listen, Aleem, good to talk to you today. Good luck with your study. And uh, thanks for joining us. Good morning to you. you. Uh, Bye bye. That is Dr. Liam Burke, NUI Galway. That website again, www.nui.ie.
nuigalway.ie forward slash peer if you would like to get involved in that piece of research be you a swimmer or a non-swimmer the non-swimmers are just as important talking about Killard and the speeding uh, at Killard near Blarney and I was talking about speed ramps and would speed ramps be an option and Georgian was explaining no because ambulances use that area and they need to get access to the hospitals the speed ramps and emergency services it wouldn't be possible Uh, James contacted us to say they have installed speed ramps coming out of the village of Ballycotton but his problem with the speed ramps there are no signs warning people and it's extremely dangerous and if you're not aware that there's going to be speed ramps because we've all done that you know you hit a speed ramp and don't realise that it's coming up and if you're doing any kind of a speed by God it'll wake you up uh, fairly quickly so beware of that coming out of the village of Ballycotton James said recently speed ramps have been installed. Now we got on to Irish Rail because Audrey was on to us because her friend headed back on the train to Dublin yesterday the 1425 train uh, it stopped in Mallow picked up more people she said there was no social distancing uh, going on and she also said there was no inspector couldn't understand what was happening so we got on to Barry Kenny in Irish Rail who said, who tells us that all of the seats are marked with seat covers indicating which seats can and cannot be used so in line with government guidelines 50% of the capacity cannot be used. Half the seats you can't sit on. That's in tandem with face coverings now being mandatory on board the trains and on public transport. Now he looked into the 1425 Cork to Houston train yesterday. He said the train was a five carriage train and unfortunately there was a fault in air conditioning on one of the carriages and yesterday was a very hot day. One customer took ill as a result of the fault in the air conditioning. The crew then decided to close off that carriage moving those customers to other carriages. As customers were observing the seat cover restrictions, a small number of passengers then had to remain standing as a result. Now, he says, we did advise customers that they could transfer to the next train if they wished, though none availed of this. Furthermore, we operated an additional train ahead of it from Limerick Junction to Dublin to ensure that we relieved the pressure on this service. So it does look like the Irish Rail, it was unfortunate what happened they weren't they couldn't have predicted that the air conditioning was going to go belly up on probably one of the warmest days of the summer so far I mean it got up to 24 degrees yesterday afternoon so you can imagine being on the train and the air conditioning doesn't work so they did everything that was humanly uh, possible but it is good to know and to allay people's fears if they are planning on going on a train or on a bus that they are doing the social distancing and the guidelines are in place that I don't know if they can get the two metre social distancing, if it's exactly two metre social distancing. And that's one of the reasons why they insisted on all public transport, you wear masks because they can't, they can do their very best to try to ensure people are two metres apart, but it won't always be possible. But they are very clearly marking the seats where somebody can sit and where somebody can't sit. And even with what happened yesterday on the train, they still stuck to that. They didn't let people sit on the seats that are clearly marked that you can't sit on uh, due to uh, COVID-19. So thank you to uh, Barry at Irish Rail for that explanation. I know Audrey's friend wasn't too happy about what happened, but uh, she got back to Dublin uh, safely. 1850-333-103. We're going to take a break. We'll catch up with your calls and comments uh, coming in. We'll be discussing face masks 
masks with the first introduction the yesterday, the first day of mandatory wearing of face masks. Uh, I also, because somebody wants us to check out what's happening in churches when it comes to face masks. So we have the the official word on that. We'll get to that after news at 12 midday. And also Joe Heffernan is going to giving, giving us ways to deal with stress after we all did quite miserably on our stress test last week. Nick Richards plays Cork's greatest hits for your workday on C103. Greatest hits coming up from Beyonce. Every time I get in the car, I hear the song on the radio. Niall Horan. It's a bit annoying when they do that. It's the toilet roll in with the cheese and it's just a bit random. And Bruce Springsteen. And then we get to have dinner. And then we have some more dinner. And we do it again. Playing Cork's greatest hits while you work. Nick Richards. Weekdays from 1. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some of your texts and comments and queries coming into the programme today. John has just been on to us to say, Hi Patricia, I hope all is well. It is, hope, well, hope all is well with you as well, John. I got a €200 Euro gift voucher from a friend at Christmas. What a lovely present. It's for the Parkway Hotel in Dunmanway. There are plastic barriers around the hotel at the moment and when I rang the number, nobody seems to be available and I'm worried now about my voucher, says uh, John, who says he's been ringing an, an 02388, the number for the Parkway Hotel in Domanway. Anyway, we've called the Parkway Hotel in Domanway, and you are right, they are closed at the moment. But they say on their answering machine that they are reopening in September. Uh, and they also say that if you ring their that number, John, that you sent on in your text, if you ring that number again, I don't know when you last rang it, also on their answering machine, there is a mobile number if you need to contact them urgently. I don't know if it's if you want to urgently contact them. But everything will be okay. Your voucher is still fine. Uh, but just you won't, you won't be going there obviously until after September because they're not reopening until then and when you do go you'll have a wonderful trip away because it's a lovely lovely spot down Manway and the Parkway Hotel is a fine fine hotel so enjoy your stay there but they're reopening in uh, September and then I had a very lengthy text in from somebody in the North Cork area there's no name on it so I don't know if it's male or female complaining about pubs in their area one particular pub and reckoning the pub is operating it doesn't have a restaurant licence how are they getting away with that they're bringing takeaways in from a lot of pubs are bringing they've hooked up with say a local pizza takeaway place and they'll bring pizzas in and that's how they're getting around serving food the nine euro substantial meal and then they're able to serve drink but the same rules and regulations should apply you're only meant to be staying in in the gastro pub or the restaurant for two hours and I don't know if everybody is sticking with that particular rule but anyway this person's complaining saying that this particular pub doesn't have a restaurant licence how are they getting away with it well when Leo Varadkar who was the then Taoiseach at the time when he made the announcements allowing restaurants to open he also at that point said that gastro pubs and pubs serving food could open and he clearly stated they didn't need to have a restaurant licence and from what we can gather that still remains in place. So that's how pubs are doing it without a restaurant licence but they must be serving food. Listeners critical of where are the Gardaí, why aren't the Gardaí clamping down on them? Some of the pubs are packed. Um, the Gardaí are doing their best. They are going around. They are checking. We've already heard there's been, there was 20 breaches last week. This would be nationwide, 24 the week before. Files are going to the DPP. Pubs are under threat of losing their licence. If when they go for licence renewal, if they're found to breach the terms and agreements of what's going on under COVID-19. So the Gardaí are, are doing their best. They are making spot checks. And I've been out about five 
times I think since restaurants were allowed to open nearly every 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 Saturday bar I didn't get out last weekend so for the five previous Saturdays and every single restaurant I or gastro pub that I was in the Gardaí were in checking just to make sure that everything was above board so the Gardaí are doing the very best that they can but I'm always just slow particularly when people start naming a particular place you know these are businesses that are trying to get back they're trying to get their staff back in that you know get their staff back working and they're trying to make a living at the end of the day but this particular co- texture does highlight the co-op shops and says that they are the ones that are really bringing their A game and are really doing well when it comes to restricting people in and out of the shops and social distancing and all of uh, that. But this person wants the Gardaí out and about checking on the people that are breaking the rules around COVID-19 particularly in pubs but he feels that the Gardaí Gardaí are more interested in car tax and car insurance. 1850 and we still have people offering sympathy to poor Emily with the dog going missing. Actually, one listener, I don't know, the fact that it happened in Court McSherry, this was for those that are just joining us. Emily joined us in the last hour. They were out yesterday afternoon. They got a new pup just the previous uh, day, little black uh, terrier. They went out yesterday afternoon between half three and four, out until seven, doing some shopping and stuff. And when they came back, their Labrador dog was in the garden, very secure garden, side gate was locked. It's a high wall, but the terrier was gone. So the somebody got in over the wall or got in over the side gate and has taken the terrier it is microchipped and all that and we're just trying to get the information out there because it's widely accepted the more information you can get out about a stolen dog the better the chance you have of having that dog returned but one listener is wondering and I don't because it's Court McSherry and because it's by the sea could this have happened it's a terrier it's a small little pub, pub. could it be possible that a seagull swooped down and picked up the pup and could have dropped it over the wall and could the puppet have wandered off. Now, Emily did say they went out and about looking. It, seagulls have done that, but you assume that the pup would have been, the seagull wouldn't have carried it any long distance, would it? That it would have been somewhere around the area, Ardnagrena in Court Mac, it wouldn't have gone very far. But it's worth giving it a mention and we have spoken about it in the hope that if anybody spotted that little dog, little pup looking very lost, that they might return it to uh, Emily and to her little six and a half year old boy because the pup was bought for the little boy and the little boy obviously is very upset. Margaret listening to the story says, oh Patricia, I've got nine dogs. You have a lot of dogs, Margaret. It had finished me. If any of them were taken, they are like my uh, children and I think a lot of people would identify with that. Pups are certainly much dogs and pets in a lot of families are almost treated like children and when and we know even when we do our vet corner with Jane on a Thursday every now and again we'll get a call in about a much loved dog or cat that had to be put asleep and the bereavement in the family when a dog has to be put to sleep that's tough enough but for a dog a much loved dog to be stolen is just dreadful because you're thinking of all kinds of things and what has happened to them so yeah uh, Margaret I understand what you mean by your text and I I certainly can feel your pain Okay some other Oh this is a good one Uh, Lister wants to know Am I allowed to give a lift to a person not one of not a family member who needs to keep an appointment in hospital PS the person is at high risk uh, is in the high risk category medically quite vulnerable absolutely if that if you are going to do a good Samaritan and give a lift to somebody who needs a, a lift there's yeah there's no restrictions around doing that what I would say if the person is 
in the risk, the at-risk category, medically at-risk category, what I would suggest you do is for both of you to wear a mask on the journey to and from the hospital and maybe keep, it's a nice day, keep the windows open in the car, let a nice breeze blow into the car. Just to, You could also, if you're driving, you could put, put the person in the back seat of the car, you know, the opposite seat to you, give yourself as much distance as possible. And I'm thinking more, I mean, obviously, you're the Good Samaritan. You're not in an at-risk group. You're fine and healthy. You're okay. I'm I'm doing it more to protect the person you're giving the lift to. If, God forbid, you turned out that you had COVID-19 and didn't realise it, I would say wear a mask. Both of you wear a mask and just keep as much distance in the car as you can. But there's no rules or regulations. There's nothing saying that you can't offer a lift to somebody who needs an appointment to get somewhere. So please uh, do your do your bit to help out that other person. 1850-333-103. Ellen, on speed ramps that we spoke about in the last hour, speed ramps were put into Bantier Village at the beginning of the year and they have made a huge difference to the speed going through our village. We're also very lucky to have those speed meters which helps to slow down traffic as well, the ones that tell you the speed that you are doing. Ellen says, on a separate road safety issue. I was travelling from Mallow yesterday, turning left at Ballymercork Cross for Bantir. A huge lorry was going straight across from Bantir to Canturk, which was safe to do so as I was turning. As I approached the junction, a car travelling at speed drove straight through the cross going from Canturk to Bantir. The driver did not slow down and did not look left to see the oncoming traffic. Luckily, I was able to stop in time before he would have driven into me. I know it's been said over and over again, but that junction is lethal. God, how many times have we featured Bally McCork Cross on this programme? I mean, the last good news that we had on on Bally McCork Cross was they were going to put a roundabout in because that's what's needed at that junction Without a shadow of a doubt, the only way to slow down the traffic and make it safe is to put a roundabout there. I'll get John Paul to do a check-up just to see what has happened with it because it definitely got the go-ahead for a roundabout. But I don't know. I know they were looking at compulsory purchase orders and there wasn't going to be an issue around that because I think all of the landowners around there would willingly say, take my land away and do what you need uh, to do because it is a very much a road safety uh, issue. And that's, that was a fright I imagine you got, Ellen, as well. And the stupidity of that person coming straight across what is a very busy road without looking to see what was coming. And coincidentally, Ellen, as your WhatsApp arrived in about... 10 minutes before your WhatsApp arrived in, another WhatsApp arrived in from Mary saying, Patricia, Bally McCork Cross needs cutting immediately. It is lethal if you're crossing from the Canturk side. And that's the added, I mean, it's, it's that, it's a lethal, as Ellen correctly says, it's a lethal junction at the best of times. But at this time of the year, when you get the hedging and the grass verges overgrown, it just makes it even harder for people to see when you're coming out of the junction just to see what's coming left and uh, right. Leave it with us and we'll see if we can find out first is anything been done to cut it back for what Mary is suggesting and also to try to get an update on what they are doing, what they are, the council plan to do and if they have any timeline as to when it's going to get sorted out. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie taking your calls, text or WhatsApp. I'd love to hear your views. 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. 
Church Town Community Council are fundraising to refurbish their community hall and they're still looking for people to donate a slate. The cost is a 20 euro and you donate on their fundraising page which is ifundraise.ie forward slash cts community hall. And the Jack and Jill Foundation are appealing for donations to enable them to continue with their support for families. Please donate four euro by texting the words we care to 50300 or you can give what you can to their website www.jackandjill.ie with a reminder that every 16 euro donated gives a family with a very special little child one hour of home nursing support from the Jack and Jill team. And Noreen heard me talk about Bally McQuirk across and how dangerous that bend, in, bend is or that junction is. She says maybe if they kept the grass cut it wouldn't be so bad. You have to pull halfway out across the road just to be able to see the oncoming uh, traffic. Cut the grass please before somebody is killed at what is a lethal, lethal junction. Okay, as I say, we'll get on to the council and see if we can get an update on that. Now, I want to talk about face coverings because we know yesterday was day one. It became mandatory to wear face coverings. You can be fined. You could even end up in jail if you're caught without wearing face coverings. Now, I wasn't, I was in a convenience, small sort of convenience news agent uh, yesterday and put my mask on straight away and went in. And I was disappointed. A man in front of me went in without face covering on and wasn't even asked by a member of staff to put one on uh, and then as I left there was another woman coming in after me she had her face covering on and then well, I just sat in the car for a while and everybody else I saw uh, going in had them on so I think for some people it's just a matter of remembering we just need to get into the mindset of remembering it I think we have it nailed at the larger supermarkets because I think we plan our trip to the supermarkets a little bit better and then we make sure we have our shopping bags in the car and all of that and I think we're now starting to realise we need to bring our face coverings with us as well but it's the nipping in and out you know you're driving somewhere and you realise oh I've no milk I need to run in and get the milk or I want to get the paper or I want to you know just pop in for something quick they're the times we just have to get used to the idea of wearing masks but it's mandatory from yesterday now we had a number of calls yesterday asking about the wearing of face masks in churches And I'm getting mixed reaction on this because on the actual guidelines, face coverings are recommended but not mandatory in churches as parishes have stewards in place to ensure that social distancing of two metres is observed and that people are sitting in designated areas and they're making sure that they're well spaced out and they're more than two metres apart. And the reason for the introduction of the face coverings in indoor settings like our shops and our supermarkets and our shopping centres is because social distancing of two metres isn't always possible for the duration of the time you're going to be inside in the shop. So that's the reason that they've rec- they've made face coverings mandatory. But they're saying in churches, no, that with the way the churches are operating, you don't have to wear a mask. So that's the actual recommendation. But it does seem to be an individual decision based on the parish and whether the parish council have decided or the parish priest, I don't know. Because after I mentioned it yesterday, I did have some people contact me to say that in their church, it was announced, the priest announced it, or there was a sign put up telling people that as and from Monday, you must wear a face covering. So I think on the church's one, you're going to need to check with your local church. But the actual recommendation states that it's not mandatory inside in a church. 
And then somebody was asking about this regulation and this law and how long is it in place for. So I looked into that yesterday afternoon and under the regulations which came into operation yesterday, they will remain in place until at least October the 5th. Now, will it get extended after October the 5th? It may do. But as of now, they're in place until October the 5th. And a face covering is is defined as a covering of any type which, when worn by the person, covers the person's nose and mouth, must be worn in almost all indoor retail settings except the post office, the credit union and the banks. Or if you're while eating and drinking at a restaurant or in a cafe, you don't have to wear it. And obviously, if you're undergoing dental or medical services, special dispensation is given for what the statutory instrument calls reasonable excuses. These include people who are medically unable to wear masks without it causing severe distress, those who would have difficulty communicating or those who are providing emergency assistance. Shop workers can also ask people to remove their masks temporarily in order to verify their age. And that was one that I hadn't thought about. But if you have people under the age of 18 who may be trying to get alcohol or cigarettes or lottery tickets, can they not be sold to people under 18 either? And if you have a face mask on, it might make it quite difficult for the person inside in the shop with the off licence to find out somebody's age. So shopkeepers and workers, it is within their rights to say to somebody, please remove your mask so that I can get a good look at your face and uh, to verify your age. The Gardaí, by the way, are also exempt from wearing the coverings because yesterday we had people saying, I saw a in a shop, they didn't have a face covering on. Garda, uh, the Gardaí are exempt. And retail staff, this is the other one we were getting yesterday. I was in a shop, people were saying, oh, the shopkeeper wasn't wearing it, the people working in the shop. So the staff must also wear a face covering unless there is a petition or they can stay two metres away from others at all times. So before people are criticising someone inside in a shop, if there is a barrier and a lot of the shops have installed those perspect barriers. So there's a barrier between you. OK, your hand reaches in underneath to take the items or to pay but the actual face and nose is cov- would be out of range because the barrier is in place. So in those circumstances, the retail staff do not have to wear them. But if they're walking around the shop and are going to be in contact where they're going to, they can't physically stay two metres apart. Certainly in supermarkets, I've noticed it when the staff are stocking the shelves, for example. I've certainly seen staff have got the their masks on then but then maybe when they're at the till and the barrier is there they're not wearing them so that's the that's under the guidelines and then on the enforcement uh, issue I heard Helen McEntee who it's her department that is uh, responsible for it she has said the Gardaí should only be called to deal with people refusing to wear face coverings as a last resort she has confirmed that Gardaí will have ultimate responsibility for the regulation. It becomes with a potential fine of two and a half thousand uh, euro and up to six months in, are up to six months in jail. However, Minister Helen McEntee says she hopes that the Gardaí will not have to use these powers and that the public will get behind the measure. She said the approach that they're taking will be similar to that used on public transport. She said when people enter shops, there should be signage to encourage them to wear masks. She said if people enter a shop without a mask or remain on the premises without one, she said she would expect some engagement between the customer and the retailer 
And then if the retailer is getting nowhere, she said the very last resort would be that the Gardaí would be called in. And she's right when she says it's similar to the approach that they're using on public transport. The Gardaí have been called I think, a handful of times to ask to either remove... We, we only, we only spoke with somebody who uh, witnessed somebody being removed from the train from Dublin, I think was it the train coming from Dublin and somebody was refusing to wear uh, the mask. So in the main, people are just abiding by it. As soon as it was introduced on public transport that everybody had to wear masks, there's been very few incidents where the bus driver or the train inspector had to call in the Gardaí. People are just buying interest because people see the reason for it and why it's important that we all wear our uh, masks and it is, as I say, in law uh, since yesterday. Somebody says, Patricia, there was a sign up at Bank of Ireland yesterday asking customers to wear masks. Yeah. Again, post offices, credit unions and banks, that's an individual. It will be, again, it'll be individual branches will decide if they want to or not. But under the regulation, it isn't mandatory in a post office, a credit union or a bank and it, we looked at it, it's for security uh, reasons but it isn't mandatory and also I suppose in the nature of some of the things that you'd be doing in any of those you know, financial institutions, they may need to see your face to verify you are who you are because the one thing I've noticed when you're walking around supermarkets and you know, suddenly somebody will say hello and you're kind of looking to say who is that? Do you know, because some of the face coverings can be quite large and something just on a complete side that I, when I was shopping at the weekend, you know when you see a, a child in a buggy, particularly a baby or a toddler, and they're that, at that wonderful, happy, smiley, and I love engaging, you'd always smile at them and normally you'd get a reaction from the, chi- from the baby. And I've noticed last weekend and the weekend before in particular that I was smiling away at a child. I said, why is that child staring at me getting absolutely no reaction? And I've realised the child doesn't realise I'm smiling and trying to. So there was a little one last week and I I started waving just to see that. And I got I got a reaction in the end uh, from the child. But it's just it's it's. I was just was smiling to myself thinking here am I trying to interact with all these babies and they're just looking at this mad one with her mask and getting absolutely no reaction at all. You would wonder what the, ch- not the children are getting used to because obviously they're seeing their own mams and dads wearing the masks who are pushing the trolley but you'll wonder that generation of children growing up where it's become the norm for everybody walking around them with uh, face coverings. Did we ever see the day where we'd be going into a supermarket with a face covering on? 1850 John Paul and Sadie taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Agus Own Rig. Tier Shear Erin Star Egan Public Museum Agus Win Sultas Cafe Agus Narakana Oil at a Hoyd and Lohersa Erruchnali. Nukta Quid Denaniha is Fari Gorkig C103. And just a couple of texts in. Trish, what about staff in uh, coffee shops and restaurants? Do they have to wear masks? I was in a coffee shop and I was disappointed that the staff were not wearing masks and they were ver- very uh, close proximity uh, to serving people. As far as it's, it's, they're all under the Fall to Ireland guidelines. And as far as I know, I th- it must be an individual. It's recommended, but it seems to be an individual choice because I, I agree I've been in some 
restaurants and coffee shops and everybody is masked up and I've been in other ones where they're not and they're all abiding by the guidelines so I'm, I'm assuming it is optional whether they wear it or not. Again, let me get it checked just to be to be sure because it does seem to be it depends on the restaurant or it depends on the particular coffee shop that you are going into but people feel more comfortable I think if they're around and there's somebody wearing a, a mask all the time. And someone else says Patricia, to those people who can't wear a mask for whatever reason, medical reason or they just get stressed out about it, would they consider wearing a visor as it's very uncomfortable to be next to somebody who's not wearing a a mask and I've spotted a lot of people out with the visors and they are very very easily uh, very readily available going to any of your chemist shops you can certainly get uh, one of the visors and it just gives comfort to other people you're right because people are nervous now I think everybody knows how important It's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com important it is to wear the mask and you're wearing the mask to protect other people so you're looking at somebody saying I'm wearing my mask to protect you and you've got no mask on to protect me so yeah I take on board your points thank you for that 1850 Joe Heffernan joins me good afternoon to you Joe good afternoon and Patricia I, I disconnected you there myself by mistake sorry okay. sorry, sorry about that Okay. just on that point um, yeah. um, working with people now um, I wear the visor yeah, okay and how do you find it I find it a, a lot better um, than um, than the mask for conversing yeah. with someone. Um, uh, I never realised how much we actually lip read. Yeah. I never realised it, but um, do you know, I, I find that I have to listen now um, very intently when a person is wearing a mask. And of course, everyone that comes to me now... Um, uh, it's a requirement. They wear the mask, they sanitise on coming in. Um, uh, there's no one within a mile of our my office, so the windows and the door, they're uh, all open. Well, some people prefer the door to be closed, but very well ventilated. Well but I find that the, the visor, I got a lovely one that you put it on like a pair of spectacles, a pair of glasses. Yeah, I've seen them. And the there's visors, about yeah. three fittings then that you can 
take one off and uh, clean it and everything. Yeah. And uh, and and you've two more spares, and all you do is clip them on to the to the glasses one. They're excellent. They're excellent. I've seen. Actually, I was I was out uh, yesterday and I saw a driving instructor giving driving lessons uh, to somebody, and the driving instructor had it on as well because I was yeah. thinking. And it's just to be able to talk to the person because uh, your speech is muffled when you have something across your mouth. Of course, it is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, yeah. last week we did our stress test, mm. and and we discovered, I think, that a lot of us are more stressed than we were, say, this time last year. So today yeah. we're going to talk a little bit about how to deal with that stress, and you have some suggestions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things would be um, uh, to do a little bit of um, uh, relaxation, mindfulness. Um, you know, many people that uh, I would be working with, I would give them um, uh, a CD. Um, it's just a copy. Um, I don't know whether it's legally copied or not. I hope I don't get into trouble. But it's an excellent um, relaxation. It's about, uh, you know, a quarter of an hour to 20 minutes. And um, uh, the feedback I get is um, almost invariably positive. So to just take a little bit of quiet time and to uh, have a listen to that, um, I think it helps, it focuses the mind um, uh, rather than just uh, sitting. But the most important part of it anyway, as always, is the breathing. But um, remember yesterday, or sorry, last week, um, one of the questions on on the stress test was, I take quiet time for myself each day and this covers that part. And it doesn't have to be, you know the way when we're all so busy, oh sure, I'd never get time to do that. It doesn't have to be for a very long period of time. No, no. And sometimes if um, uh, I have often spoken to uh, a person who would have certain uh, triggers for... um, uh, anxiety, maybe a person suffering from panic attacks, and it can be just retreat to the toilet, sit on the toilet, do the little bit of breathing with a, a certain way of doing it. In other words, breathing to the tummy, uh, then hold, and then as one breathes out, let the shoulders come down, and um We'll say someone has gone in for an interview or something like that. To jo- it, 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 that. That can consist in total of five or six minutes. And I mean, no one ever raises an eyebrow or objects to someone saying, um, I've got to use the uh, the toilet for a second. Mm. Just, just, so just, there, just there are little tricks that one can do. Yeah, and then you, you suggest, you know, some time to, like green areas, get out into nature. Absolutely. I mean, there's there's quite a lot being written about that now. Um, and of course, naturally, it has a few um, fancy names. But basically, what you're talking about is um, um, uh, green areas. Uh, the other day now, when it was lovely and sunny, um, I just threw off the shoes, the socks, um, the whole lot. And I just walked on the grass which still had a little moisture from the morning. Yeah. And, you know, it was great. It felt great. Just walking it's, barefoot it's, it's on the great. grass. 
Yeah, and, and that, yeah. and even that very fact of walking. Your your next suggestion is exercise. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was telling you last week that um, I'm a bit crocked um, <laughs> with the old back and consequent pains down uh, actually on the feet. So it hasn't been wonderful for me recently. But I do force myself to do, you know, you wouldn't call it much more now than maybe five or six hundred yards out and back. But it's something. Um, but for those who can do more, um, no one ever, ever, ever said, no, it didn't help. Everyone I ever said, how did that go? They'd say, do you know, it helped a bit. Yeah. Yeah. No matter how help. stressed or down or what's going on, get some exercise in. Yeah. 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 I remember one time being, um, you know, just needing a break. And um, now, regularly, a break for me might be down the Muckras Road in Killarney and... Um, uh, a walk, there's a little byway down by the uh, lakes and, and I love that. But a little bit closer to home and there was no real walking involved. I did a couple of rounds of um, that lovely little park in Kentuck and I sat on a bench <laughs> and there's a, a weir there and um, the water running over the weir um, the river passing uh, um, slowly by and then um, you know, kind of uh, falling over the weir. Do you know, I loved it. And um, I might have spent, I don't know, 20 minutes or a half an hour there. But it was a real, real lift in my day. And it's beautifully maintained, fair play to them. Now, I know that um, there's very few towns that wouldn't have uh, something akin to that. And... Um, and I found it absolutely lovely. There's something about nature and water running that um, that is very soothing. I and, think. and I'm always envious of those that are lucky enough to live by the sea. Oh, yeah. And you have That's that. The more, yeah, yeah. yeah. So get so get get in some exercise now. Diet. This well, now diet this because this came up on this on the list last week about eating properly. Yeah. Yeah. No. Okay, I'll I'll put my hand up. Um, the old chocolate and the sweets have increased uh, during the uh, COVID uh, nineteen, and especially back with the kind of extreme lockdown. And um, yeah, um, uh, it's not good. It's not good, and and I won't pretend that it's completely uh, sorted. But um, yeah, that if we can avoid, if we can eat healthily. It's uh, naturally it's going to help. I mean, if you put diesel into a petrol car, it, it won't go, and you'll get a lot of smoke coming out the back, or vice versa. If you put petrol in a diesel car, um, and our bodies are sensitive enough, and uh, we need to, um, you know, to be just that little bit careful to eat, to be aware that we need to eat to eat uh, healthily. Um, uh, and uh, you know that it isn't always um, uh, something bought, frozen, and popped into the microwave. That um, that where possible, and God knows, we're, the one thing we're not short of at the moment is time. That um, that there's a bit of healthy uh, cooking done, and uh, in itself that can be therapeutic. Um, uh, a lot of people would say I've often heard people say that they love to cook and um and that can be 
uh, helpful too. But just to watch it like that it isn't, um, you know, that it isn't uh, frozen um, uh, convenience foods all the time. Okay. It's very tempting. Absolutely. And yeah. again, we're back to because we're all thinking, oh, I'm stressed, I'm stressed. Oh, I'll just grab that. That's the, that's the quickest thing. You're just, you're not doing yourself any good. Um, yeah. Be gentle with yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, we need to kind of, um, we need to be kind uh, to ourselves. Uh, now, sometimes being kind to ourselves is the opposite of being easy on ourselves. Like, when you take on that bit of a walk, you're being kind to yourself, even though you might consider it the very opposite. You might think it would be a lot kinder to go in and sit on the armchair and to watch a bit of television. Not that there's anything wrong with some of that too. But like, um, yeah, to be to be reasonable with oneself and not to be guilt-tripping oneself all the time. Um, I mean, I do have a bit of a hang-up now about the fact that the walking isn't um, much. Uh, and I do have a hang-up about uh, the few extra bars of fries cream. But... Um, you know, look, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't think it will be the death of me and uh, I'm aware of it. And uh, they say awareness is curative. And um, <laughs> and you have to be kind to yourself and realise it's not your fault. You can't get out and do the exercise. Oh, but there is that. I mean, that's, know, that, that, that's an absolute truth. Um, and, and that's not, as it were, that's not cutting myself. That's the truth. But, um, yeah. Yeah, because they, and then the next one is is actually watching your favorite TV program or yeah. watching a box set. We all need to have me time and downtime. We do, we do, and it doesn't have to be um, serious stuff. Um, you know, I mean, I've spoken to people down through the years, and they will only read um, biographies and fact. That's fine. I that's grand. Um, I'm afraid I'm in the other category. I I read uh, crime novels, um, you know, Ian Rankin, uh, John Rebus, uh, his detective, and um, uh, the, uh, what is this, Jack Reacher um, novels, and all of those. I get a great kick out of those, and uh, I, 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 I just read all my life, and I mean it that way, that... I'm always either at the beginning, the middle, or the end of a book. Um, and you enjoy that, and it's your me, it. it's your me time, and 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 uh, uh, keep it up. Okay, yeah. um, have reasonable and achievable goals. Yeah, yeah. Like a person might decide. Well, I've decided for about five years. I didn't get around to it yet. Um, uh, you know, to kind of declutter the office a bit. But no, I did have a go at it. Um, Lockdown would have been a great time for well, that. Well, it was, and I did do it. I, I did do it. Now, um, uh, a certain person only told me that I simply made one big heap out of five heaps <laughs> and that that wasn't exactly the plan, but it's going to have to you've do started. for the moment. You've started. You've, you've, that was a little goal and you achieved that. It was. <laughs> what, what was that person recently? I can't remember the name. It became quite fashionable. There was some lady... Oh, I have her book at home. Uh, yeah. The um, uh, Mar- Marie Kondo. 
Then, yeah, it. yeah. I, I'll send you on the book. You can read the book. And I'm telling you, she'll smarten you up. You'll, you'll get rid of that pile. It'll be out the door like, like a shot. Okay, so okay. Re- reasonable goals. Set them and just, and again, because that was one of the things that during lockdown, when I spoke to, you know, some people were great. Like I had a, a sister of mine who was fantastic at upcycling furniture and she was constantly putting things up on Facebook that she was doing. She was putting all the rest of us to shame. You can beat yourself up if you're looking at other people who seem to be achieving massive goals. Absolutely. They're, they're not Absolutely. your goals. You achieve what you need to achieve. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's just it. That's it. I mean, if the thing is bugging you, um, well, then it's kind of easier to do it um, than to be uh, uh, allowing it to bug you one day after the other. It would be a kind of like the Nike uh, thing on the on the T-shirt, just do it. And um, uh, wh- what I've always found is that where there's something hanging over me like that, that if I do it, I, I really feel better after it. It might be, it might be tiny, it might be taking a brush to some part of the yard, but when it's done, I feel better. You do, you yes. do. I had I had paperwork that needed to get done a few weeks ago, and like that, I was putting it off, putting it off. And yeah. you know, every morning you'd wake, going, "Oh God, I still have to do that." And then yeah. I eventually one day said, "This is ridiculous. It's head wrecking me." The mm. thought of doing it. Yeah. Sat down, did it in an afternoon. Felt terrific when it was done. Yeah, and that's it done yeah. and and dusted. Uh, yeah. So, uh, or organize uh, and prioritize small tasks. Exactly, exactly. Um, uh, you know, uh, again, it doesn't have to be major. It doesn't have to be build an extension onto the house. Like what it can be is, well, it became quite a big deal here, especially when we went over um, about a foot and a half was like uh, cut the grass on the lawn. That became very, very important. And I got a lot of dirty looks uh, until eventually... I cut the grass, um, uh, and uh, uh, that kind of uh, <laughs> that helped in big ways around the house. But uh, yeah, to just say, like, um, there there is uh, this uh, little job uh, that I absolutely need to do, and prioritize prioritize what what you feel. Uh, really, really needs to be done. And get that done. And get that done. Somebody, uh, Sheila says, I think it's good to go picking blackberries. And that's, that's you're, you're out with nature and you're coming home with wonderful blackberries with you as well. Absolutely. I mean, perfect. I remember doing it as a kid. Yeah. Um, my mum came from a farming background and we used to go out to the farm when I, I was a, a child. And uh, I remember having um, a kind of... Uh, a metal gallon, I think, it was a, a, a sweet tin, um, and uh, off we'd go and 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 pick berries, and um, it was lovely. They were made into jam or made Absolutely. made in, into a pie. Yeah. Uh, Ina yeah. wants to know where did Joe buy the visor he was talking about? Where did you get your visor? Okay, well, straight <laughs> up, um, uh, I I bought two of them. Um, one was um, okay. I'll 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 mention names. Yeah. One was in Murphy's Pharmacy in Boerby. They're excellent. They always have great um, uh, stock. And the other one was in uh, Duane's Pharmacy in Kentuck Town. 
Okay, so two, so two separate pharmacies. And yeah. actually, I have me, yeah, the chemist shops are great for selling those visors. And I know the last time we dealt with them, some hardware stores, I think, have them as well. But the chemist ones have, have, are great and you can reuse the visor and you can sterilise it. Yeah. And, and we use it. Yeah. So, so it is great. Yeah. OK, I'm looking at time. We're OK for another t- couple of minutes. Uh, humour. You think humour is great? Humour is important. So. Yeah. Where would we be without a bit of a laugh? Yeah. And, you know, um, uh, I think most things, most things, you can find humour in, in, in most things, you know. Um, like there was mentions here about if the grass grew one other day, like it would be coming in the window. <laughs> and... Um, you know, a, a, a bit of kind of uh, fun like that. Um, uh, <laughs> my old uh, aches and pains at the moment, you know. Um, uh, yeah, we can have a bit of a laugh about that too, that um, getting ancient, you know. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> it can get a little bit, um, a little bit, uh, what's the word, um morbid at times like um, bit of black humour well kind of like have we the undertaker's <laughs> um, uh, phone number handy um, yeah but you're a bit of humour it's 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 very necessary because it can all seem so serious and so overwhelming at times you know particularly with the numbers going back up again and that sense of oh god where are we going and you can let it take you over where it can absolutely consume every single minute of the day. And that's where I think humour comes into it and switching off at times. You know, watch, absolutely watch your news bulletin, but then turn over to some comedy, turn over to something lighthearted. Yeah, yeah. And um, even though you can get fed up of them at times because you get too many of them, but some of the... um some of the videos that go around now on the WhatsApp and all that. Very um, funny. Some of them can be extremely funny. And it's good to have a chuckle. I got a few answers from a few people, um, you know, that I would have sent on. Uh, a one that appealed to me particularly, um, uh, whatever one it was. And you would get back, thanks for the laugh or thanks for a chuckle. I needed that. Yeah, that kind yeah, of thing. Gives, gives that it lift. doesn't always have to be dire. Okay. All right, listen, you look after yourself. We'll we'll continue with this next week. We'll talk as we have more tips on how to deal with uh, stress. But Joe, listen, have a good week and look after your back. And the same. In the oh, same and country. by the way, happy wedding anniversary. I know John Paul played Thank a request you. for you on Sunday. Fantastic. Wow. Um, on Monday. Four years to the big one. And yeah. we, and COVID 19 will be a distant memory in four years' time. Yeah. And we, we will party hard that I night. I was only saying that, that okay. we'll have a good one in you four will years' indeed. time. Listen, you and mind yourself. 46 years, you'll get less for murder. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Take care. Bye bye. Okay. Joe Heffernan, he runs a counselling practice in Bohopui. His number is 0297661 And that's where I have to leave you for uh, today. My thanks to John Paul and to Sadie for taking your calls. We're back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. Look after yourself and stay safe. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.